a Podcast One production. Hey, I'm former Australian beach sprinter and fitness trainer Katie Williams. When I was competing, I would do anything I needed to do to be the best. But now that I'm retired, I'm trying to develop a more balanced relationship with my diet, exercise, and my body image. In each episode, I'll try a different diet or lifestyle challenge for two weeks to see if it helps me think, move, or feel better. For two weeks, the challenge I'm taking on, I'm taking on is Vedic meditation. The reason why I've chosen to do Vedic meditation is because I want to have more clarity, more focus. I want to feel less anxious. I want to sleep better. I want to feel more creative. And I want to just be a better version of myself. I actually learned to meditate three years ago and I have gone in waves of meditating and not meditating and I've never stuck to the 20 minutes morning and night, which is what you're supposed to do when you learn. The current relationship I have with meditation is kind of a love-hate. I find that during times of stress or when, when work's really busy or something in my personal life may have come up, I pull away from meditation. So I'm actually walking away from meditation during a time when I need it the most. So it's something that I haven't consistently stuck to. I want to consistently stick to it because I feel like I'm a better person for it and I definitely feel the massive benefits across my social, mental and physical health. So I want to keep it up and I want to stick to it. So some of my fears and concerns about this challenge are time. Um, 40 minutes is a long time to be meditating. My schedule, I feel like my schedule is quite full at the moment, especially with social activities and social outings. It can make the afternoon meditation difficult. I also think that because I've never done this before, meaning I've never done it regularly and I also haven't done it for this period of time, I've been really on and off with my meditation, I'm nervous that it'll be quite jarring, like a big big shock to the mind and the body. So I'm a little bit nervous for all these new changes, but I'm also equally as excited to give it a go. What I want to get at this challenge is I want to create a long-lasting habit. I want to walk away from this challenge knowing that I will continue to meditate and it will be something that is consistent for me. So I thought I'd bring in my friend and my meditation teacher, Genoa. Genoa is a Vedic meditation teacher and I actually did my second resit with him only about three months ago. I wanted to get Genoa in to talk about the benefits of meditation and how I can make this a long-term healthy habit. I'm here with one of my favourite humans. He's my meditation teacher and he's my friend. Welcome to the podcast, Genoa. <laughs> I'm pumped to be here, Katie. It's good to have you. So today we're going to talk about Vedic meditation. Can you tell me what Vedic meditation is? So basically, to put it as simply as possible, Vedic meditation is a technique that uses a mantra and is designed to help the body to rest and remove the buildup of old stress and fatigue in the system. So uh, there are lots of other techniques that are out there that use things like concentration where you like have to focus on something or someone will talk to you and guide you through something. They are uh, very different in terms there is they're active. So you're either actively, you know, focusing on something or you're actively paying attention to someone talking to you or you're actively visualizing something. Well, this technique is quite different in that it's, it's almost like an effortless 
technique, so it's designed to allow the body to to rest. So physically, your body is is resting, and that really stands it apart from pretty much all the other techniques that are out there, um, and a lot of the most common techniques that are out there at the moment. When did you become a meditation teacher? What's your background with it? So I grew up anti spirituality, anti anything that seemed not normal. Right? I was interested in picking up girls, playing footy, drinking, and that was all I really cared about. And anything that would have brought me outside the realm of being normal was totally, you know, inconceivable, right? But also without realizing, I was experiencing things that I thought were normal, right? So I would have anxiety to the point of wanting to physically vomit before big games of sport and before dates. Funny enough, the two things that I prided myself on were the two things I was most anxious about, right? But I thought it was normal, right? But I also had this just thing in the back of my mind that I was like, I feel like I could be better. I don't know what it means. I feel like I'm not operating where I could be. And then I studied, I went to uni, I ended up doing a master's in commerce, you know, spent time as corporate, spent time managing a bar, I've spent time as a, as a labourer, as a tradie, and then I spent, for the biggest part of my life, I spent my time working for an alcohol company as a state manager, right? And then it wasn't until, by absolute luck, one of my clients were meditators, and they were these people who were operating at this high level and they still drank wine and ate meat and were normal, but they were creative and cool. And I was like, huh. And that's where I got exposed to meditation properly. And so I learned to meditate. And then my life transformed. My experience of life totally changed. And then I was like, wow, life is so much better for me. Other people like me better, but yet most of the teachers that were out there were still too... Not relatable. Yeah, weren't yeah. so relatable. I was like, would any of my friends go to the teacher I went to who was great? Probably not still. Some of them would, yeah. But then all the other teachers n- n- that I was exposed to, not many would at all. And so I was like, what if I just taught meditation to people and just still remained modern. You know, engaged in the world and, and, yeah, I guess modern and, and whatever and just perform better? And so... To learn this technique, you have to have meditated regularly for at least three or so years, so you've actually experienced it. And to learn this technique as a teacher, you either have to go away for three months and do it intensive, or there are very few teachers that offer it integrated. And so I happened to, I was lucky enough to find a teacher in Sydney who offered the course, and I studied, it was about 15 to 18 months of study, and then after that, then I became a teacher. So how does someone meditate, like location, time of the day? Let's talk about length as well. Right. So in this technique using a a mantra, it's designed to be as integratable as possible. So the idea of it is there are best practices, which are you do it once in the morning. So ideally, as soon after you wake up as possible, because that decreases the chance of you you, um, totally missing it. And then the second time to do it is ideally in the afternoon. And the reason why it's split up into two pieces like that is because you want to set up your day and then you almost like go out into the world and you experience stress and stimulus and, you know, you get a bit tired and bits and pieces. And then, you know, you have the afternoon kind of slump. It's like a perfect time then to sit it back in again. So this technique is designed to be the most powerful in doing between 10 to 20 minutes. So Vedic meditation is a mantra meditation. What is a mantra? A mantra is basically like a sound vibration. So it is not like an affirmation. So a lot of people think that mantras are, you know, you're like, 
when I say something like, my mantra is I am powerful or I am strong. That's not how they, which are, they're affirmations, which <laughs> yeah. are great, which are fine. In this it's a technique, completely different right? technique, yeah. Yeah. So at a deeper level, the understanding is that everything is sound, vibration, right? And so these mantras are, there's sets of different mantras and they're given to you based on your stage of life and your age and and they, when they are um, whispered internally, so you don't say them out loud, you just whisper it inside your head. And that engages the mind at a certain in a certain way, and what it does it almost causes the mind to follow it. Right? It's like a little um, a sound that's attractive to the mind, and so you whisper it internally, your mind will follow it, and that's why they are given in a certain um, in a certain sequence. They're not just something that I made up, or you don't just choose. They're they're taught. I'll be using the same mantra that I learnt three years ago, and when I did a resit with you recently, I told you my mantra and you double checked that it was correct because over time it can change a little bit if you're saying it. Why are we not allowed to repeat the mantra? It's a secret. I'm not allowed to repeat my mantra. Obviously can to you because you're a meditation teacher. Can you explain why we don't tell people what it is? There's a few reasons. One is because there are mantras that are very different and there are some mantras that are similar, right? And so say you talk to your friend and you're like, oh, my mantra is this. And they're like, oh, that sounds like X, Y, Z. You then have created an attachment and a meaning behind the mantra. So next time you meditate, you're sitting there going, ah, oh, mantra, mantra. Oh, my friend said this, this, this. And you're, you've created an attachment. You've disrupted the impact of the mantra. The other thing is because some mantras are similar, some mantras are different, you might say to a friend who's also learned, be like, oh, you tell me yours, I'll tell you mine. And they tell you yours. And you're like, oh, I like yours better. Or, oh, yours is very similar to mine. Maybe mine's wrong. And then again, you're creating these distractions and things that are going to impact the quality and the, um, I guess, the success of of what the mantra is supposed to be doing for you. Starting this challenge, I'm nervous because I learnt three years ago and I learnt because I was going over to Holland to race and I wanted to be, I basically learnt to meditate because I wanted to improve my performance with sprinting and I wanted to improve my mindset. And I was a very strong-minded athlete. I did a lot of visualizing. I did a lot of manifesting. I would visualize all my races. Mm. I'd even visualize my training sessions and I would, I really was into the mindset of being an athlete. So I thought this would give me an extra tick. And I also had anxiety um, before flying because I had an anaphylactic reaction on an airplane when I was going to France also to run. So I had, three years ago, I had this fear, not of flying, but of eating on the airplane. Because I almost died on the plane. Of course, yeah. So like that would like that's a, that's a that's not irrational. Like that's irrational <laughs> fear to me. Like so, I was I actually learned to meditate um, just before Holland, and it was divine timing. It couldn't have come mm. at a better time. I learned to meditate and I got bronchiolitis and I missed the biggest race of my life, which was competing over there for world titles. So that was going to be the race that I retired on. I was world champion and I wanted to be like senior senior world champion and. Essentially, I learned to meditate and then I got really, really, really sick. Not from meditating, obviously from overtraining. So then that tool of learning to meditate came in so handy because my body needed complete rest. And I was at home with a nebulizer on, you know, watching on my phone the people that I would have been racing with and them winning. And it was really intense for me. So I learned how to meditate in a period of my life where I was not in a good place. And I started to get back on my feet again, got back into training and meditation sort of fell away a little bit and I've brought it back in during times of sort of need. But meditation for me has to, has to, has to be a daily practice. And it's taking me years to establish of like 
starting and stopping and starting and stopping with it that it has to be something that I don't let go of. Mm. What benefits do you think I'm going to see for meditating for two weeks? 40 minutes a day. <laughs> yep, twice a day for 20 minutes. I believe that you'll experience increased levels of like creativity, uh, focus, of clarity. You'll have less anxiety. Your sleep should be better. You'll, f- you'll find yourself a lot more calm and able to be responsive and creatively um, responsive as opposed to reactive, a lot less sort of flighty um, and higher levels of energy, I'd say as well. And this is these are things that can that can come into play quite quickly yes. with, the, with the technique. So they're, they're the main things that I would uh, expect you'd experience to some extent. But again, it's also quite different for different people. But for you, that's what I would hope. I felt those benefits when yeah. I was doing it regularly, but it's been a long time. Yeah. And it's so interesting. I've found that with times of meditation where I've done it for like, you know, three or four months at a time, mm. meaning like haven't missed a day, which hasn't happened in quite some time. But when I've been doing it, I actually feel like limitless. Yep. Like I'm clearing out the bad. I'm making room for good. The slate is clean. All the tabs are closed. I feel like the literally the best version of myself. And it's funny because I've always fallen away from meditation during the times where I actually need it the most. So when I don't want to deal with something that's gone on, I'm like, I really don't want to meditate right now because yep. I'm going to think about it. And I remember I had like, um, I think it's probably about a year and a half ago, I had just a few things like that just sort of started to get to me. And I'm a strong person. Like I'm always just pushed through. Like you've seen, I know you are. You've seen me. <laughs> we just, we rise above, we push through. And I just kept going, let's push through, just put, like just push through, push through. And then I was like, you know what? I've actually got to just like clear this stuff, like mm. clear it out, start fresh. And the last thing you want to do is meditate when times are tough. So it has to be something that is disciplinary. Correct. And it's something that becomes a habit. So do you have tips for creating a habit around meditation. Yeah. So one of the best ways to create the little habit loop, and this is what I do. And when I teach, I, we talk about this is to create that little, that little circle, I suppose. So um, to give an example of what this looks like for me, I wake up in the morning and my trigger or cue is I'll wake up and my alarm goes off. I'll get up. I'll go to the bathroom, wash my face, go to the toilet, scrape my tongue. And then my body knows I literally, I'll walk back to bed and meditate without even thinking. Like I've, I've even had situations where I will, um, I'm going to do a, a, a class in the morning. So I won't want to meditate when I first wake up and I'll still do it because I'm just in that routine. So you create that trigger. So my body knows when I've scraped my tongue, I walk back to my bed, I close the door and I sit there and I meditate for, you know, anywhere between 10 minutes to half an hour is what I, what I gauge it between. I'm pretty, I now do it for 20 minutes to half an hour because I've been doing it for, for that long and you can sort of up level it. And that's the activity, right? So you've got the cue and you've got the behavior activity. And then my reward is I can turn my phone on so I can check good old Instagram or I can have a coffee because I love coffee. So I know that I can't check my Instagram or have a coffee until I've meditated. And that just becomes this beautiful loop. And now it's just a default. I don't even think about it. It's the habit loop. Yeah. What I am a bit concerned about is when I've closed my eyes and all of a sudden this to-do list is coming up. I've got things I want to do. I've got an idea. What do I do when I'm in a meditation and I want to get out of it because I want to write something down? I want to write this, get it out of my head and onto paper. What do I do? You know what you're going to have to do, which is quite difficult for people who are trained in structure and performance and control is to surrender. This technique is designed 
to do the work for you. So you just sit there and just go, I'm only spending literally, you know, another five or 10 minutes to finish off this meditation and know that whatever is happening is um, your body doing what it needs to do. Mm. And if something is so important and so creative and such a great idea, it'll come back to you after the meditation. I always say, because sometimes we don't know where these ideas are coming from. Our body's processing stuff from our subconscious and unconscious realms and who knows what's going on. And if it is something that is actually really important, have a notepad next to you and, you know, have a pen and whatever ready to go. But it'll come back to you if it's that important. 40 minutes, it really does feel like a long time. My concerns for the 20 minutes morning and night is that I'm up at four o'clock in the morning. Mm. So I've got to set my alarm for three, three forty or three thirty. That's something I'm uncomfortable doing. Mm. Also, the other thing is like my social schedule. So in the afternoons, the afternoon meditation, I'm thinking about what I've got coming up. I've got like dinners, events, I'm going to the movies. So I'm thinking I'm going to have to, if I'm driving somewhere, meditate um, before I go in in the car or meditate before the event or I don't know, like I'm going to have to, I think the morning ones I'll be able to stick to in terms of the timing because I've got the, you know, cue yeah. trigger reward. But in the afternoons with my schedule, no day is the same, no week is the yep. same. So my afternoon one is going to have to be really flexible. And the moment there's flexibility, you're likely to let it go. That's what I'm stressed about this afternoon one because 20 minutes in the afternoon is quite a long time when you're trying to, like for me, I'm going different places all the time. Mm. So I'm a little worried that that one doesn't have structure. I'm just going to have to fit it in when I can fit it in. Yeah, well, that's that's literally it. You have to get creative with it. And the story you're telling yourself now is that you're too busy and probably won't be able to fit the second one in. The story you should be telling yourself in, which will become your reality, is I will find a way and fit it in. Yes. You know what I mean? I'll put it in my diary. Like you're always, you've got a, your diary is your way to look at things, right? Yep. When you're planning your next day and booking things in, literally, if you imagine if you had the most important job opportunity and your next day was almost full, you'd find a way to fit that in for 10 minutes, three minutes, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Right? So literally, when you're planning your days, if you're a diary-driven girl, put it in your diary in between and you can go, hang on a second, someone emails you and say, hey, can I meet you at, you know, quarter past four on, on Tuesday? Actually, can you make it 4.30? Yeah, sure. Perfect. You know what I mean? Yes. And literally, and make that your non-negotiable story, not I'm too busy because you'll follow that. And that's your, ex- you already created an excuse for yourself. You exactly. know what I mean? I'm already sabotaging. Yeah. And the thing is, I definitely, I have, to, everyone has time, mm. right? Everyone has time. It is up to whether or not you want to make it a priority. Yep. And the biggest thing for this, for me is I would never cancel on someone. I would never cancel on a friend. I take my work very seriously. So if I want to take my work very seriously and I'm my own brand, why wouldn't I do the thing that really actually does make me the best? Yeah. So I'm starting my two-week challenge today. What is my homework? (laughs) So your homework is to create that morning habit, right? Leave your phone off, whatever it is, do your little little trigger cue, meditate, and then your reward and set that up. And that is a non-negotiable. So whether you're, you know, getting up at 6am or getting up at 4am, you just block that in. That is a a given. And then to um, schedule in your afternoon one. And stay flexible with that one. Yeah, yeah, and that can be scheduled, but it's non-negotiable. And if it ends up being that you didn't do it and you're driving home, sit in your car before before you go, no, before you walk in the door at home. Yep. So twice a day, 20 minutes is your challenge. That's my homework. Mm. I love it. I'm actually, I actually am really excited. I am. Something I want to do when I meditate at home is to set my environment up, have a comfortable chair, maybe light a candle, 
put some lavender oil on or something to, 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 to calm me. Do you think that's a good idea? Yes and no. Yes, if you are sure that every day is going to be the same and you can do that every single day. If not, then no, because what you're doing is you're creating an environment that then becomes really, really hard to recreate every day. And then you'll be like, well, I didn't have my lavender oil. I can't meditate. I didn't have this. I can't meditate. And you will then have the barriers towards it. That's why this technique over being guided or plugging into an app is also good because you don't need to have your phone. You don't need to plug your, you know, your earphones in. You don't need to have a perfect, serene, quiet environment to make it a good meditation. When I teach, I don't have this. I mean, I have a nice, nice room, but it's not designed. It's next to a big road. It's fine. The idea is there is real life things happening. So I would actually stay away from the morning one you can control. The morning one, that little trigger, you know, behavior thing you can control. The afternoon one, I would stay away from that. But what you can maybe do is maybe do a little mental practice, like maybe a little body scan to prepare yourself for it. So, you know, just move through from head to toe as a little preparation to settle you before going into the meditation, because that you can do again, anytime, anywhere. You're not going to sit here in in an Uber and start you know, you might <laughs> dousing yourself in lavender yeah, oil yeah. and kind of like some incense. Do you mind if I just <laughs> you got a lot of <laughs> so, I, so would, I would try to um, make it as simple as possible. So, from today, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to get ready for my homework. So, my cue trigger reward will be alarm goes off in the morning, make my bed straight after that, get back in bed, prop myself up, and do my 20 minutes. And then my reward is coffee. So, I've got the morning sorted. The afternoons, I'm going to have to do it ad hoc. So every day plan when the afternoon meditation will be, but I'm definitely going to do it after five. I don't want to have work on my mind. So I'll have that set up. And also the other thing is I'm going to have you on call for when I need it because I know that there's going to be times where I might want to talk through something that's come up in meditation and you can explain it. So I think that's really good to have the accountability from you. But also I love to tick things off. So I've got like a little um, whiteboard and I'm going to tick off every day, morning and night when I do it. And I know that I'll get a real kick out of seeing the ticks at the end of the week. I look forward to seeing those ticks. Thank you so much for coming in, Genoa. I love having you here. I'm really excited about this and you're just a wealth of information and I love it. And I love that you're not a normal meditation teacher. You're not the stereotype. (laughs) Thanks for coming in. Cheers for having me. Twenty minutes, morning and night, forty minutes in total of meditation. That's a lot of meditating. I have found the first three meditations I've done to be very scatty, lots of thoughts, and to be honest, I haven't actually enjoyed them. That is prime. Slightly dark room, not too bright. Make sure not laying down. I just had the most insane meditation. I feel like I'm like, like really out of it. It's hard to explain, but I feel really good. So I have just finished two weeks of Vedic meditation and it's had some really profound impacts on my physical, social and mental health. Starting off with physical, I slept better. I was more energized. Physically, I felt better because I had more energy and I was just training harder. I felt stronger. Definitely had some impacts on my social health. 
I felt calmer around people. I felt like I was listening more, talking less. I felt less reactive and my family definitely noticed a difference in me. The biggest impact was on my mental health. This one was huge. I had less anxiety. I had less judgment of myself. I had less negative self-talk. And even when negative things popped into my head, I could quickly dissipate them. And I knew that it was just thoughts. I felt more confident. I felt more calm. I felt more present. And I'm not a very present person. So this one was really big for me. Um, I basically just felt like a better version of myself. Mind you, there were some challenges. I really did struggle with the time. 40 minutes was a really long time, particularly coming from doing 10 minutes. Jumping to 40 minutes a day was full on. I also had the early morning wake-ups. So because I was getting up at four in the morning, I would set my alarm for 3.30 so I could fit in my morning meditation. This was a massive problem. For the first four meditations in the morning, I was falling asleep. So what I actually had to do was change the way I did my morning routine. So rather than waking up and making my bed and then meditating, I would wake up, make my bed, splash my face, have coffee, and then I would get back in a bed or go to the meditation chair and do my meditation. So I had to allow sort of 10, 15 minutes to wake up before I meditated. And I also had to have coffee. I don't think you need coffee, but for me, just to get back into the routine of doing it, I had to. Otherwise, I just kept falling asleep. The afternoon meditations were also challenging because I was never at home. I was often meditating in the car. There were times that I was doing it on busy streets, obviously parked in the car. I did it on a bus. I was doing it in Ubers. I did it when I got my makeup done. I didn't find this as comfortable. And I also found that doing it in public is a little bit awkward. And I think it's just because I'm not used to it. I found in week two, I was still meditating in Ubers and I felt more comfortable. So I think once you get over that sort of awkward, embarrassing period where you feel like people are staring at you, it gets a lot easier. There was days I had just had resistance. There were days that I just genuinely didn't want to do it. There was a day that I missed, and I'm sure that you guys will be really kind to me. I missed Christmas Day. <laughs> I really didn't want to meditate on Christmas Day, and I just took the day off, and I was happy to do that and enjoy time with my family. Two weeks was definitely long enough for it to become a habit. It's because I put it in my morning routine, it made it easier. So now when I wake up in the morning, I make my bed, I splash my face, I have my coffee. I know that's when I meditate. So it's sort of deeply ingrained in me now. It's become a part of my routine. So yes, two weeks is definitely enough time to make it a habit. I'm going to continue this challenge long-term. I loved it. There's still going to be times where I don't want to meditate, but I'm just going to push through. They're always going to come up. There's always going to be resistance, but I definitely have had so many amazing benefits and I'm going to continue it for as long as I can. I did an extreme version of this challenge being 40 minutes. You can definitely moderate it. You don't have to do that long. If I was you, I would start off with just 10 minutes, particularly if you're new to meditation. 10 minutes of stillness is a very long time. If you can, do 10 or do five and just add on two minutes of time. I remember when I first learned to meditate, I was sort of doing two minutes, four minutes, six minutes and building up. Just build, build it up. Everyone can sit down for a few minutes and I highly recommend closing your eyes, being still and just being calm and present and in the moment. I definitely have some recommendations for someone who wants to do the challenge. Don't use your phone, use your watch. You don't want an alarm to go off 20 minutes into your meditation and freak you out because it can literally freak you out. Your heart can race and you can get a fright and that's no way you want to come out of a meditation. So use a watch. Don't be afraid to open your eyes and take a glance at the watch if you don't know how long you've been meditating for. 
don't meditate in bed because you'll fall asleep. I fell asleep every time in the morning and I ended up using a meditation chair. Make sure that you have a routine and make sure you've got yourself set up with a cue, trigger and reward. Make it a non-negotiable. It is a must. Write in your diary and do not cancel it. Make sure you've got an accountability partner. My accountability partner was Genoa and I was checking in with him throughout the challenge. Moving forward after this, I've got friends that meditate that also want to stick to it. So I've got a group on Instagram called The Meditators and every morning we write in there, how was your meditation? And we check in morning and night. That way you are accountable. If you don't want to do it with a friend, you don't have to. Keep a calendar and tick it off every day. Make sure that you are going to learn from the right teacher. Don't just do some random course. Make sure you've found the right teacher that resonates with you. And the last thing is make sure you have a why. Why do you want to learn to meditate and why should you do it every day? My why is because I want to be a better version of myself and I want to show up as her every day. So the main question is, did meditation help me think, move or feel better? And the answer is absolutely yes. I am so much better for it by meditating on the daily. So that's it for my two weeks of meditation. If you want to see the behind the scenes of the challenge, check out my Instagram at Katie Williams. My next challenge is cutting alcohol. Join me next time to see if I'm better for it. Better For It was presented by Katie Williams and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Lindsay Green. Audio producer, Matt Mikulich. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Better For It podcast.